0: this is heaven on earth by thomas brooks a book on christianity and assurance and this is chapter one proofs that believers may in this life attain unto a well-grounded assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness the basis of assurance the ground on which the apostle paul builds his assurance is not any special revelation but such a foundation as is common to all believers as clearly appears from Romans 8, verses 32 to 34. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. It is clear from these words that this blessed apostle had not that glorious assurance that he speaks of in the last two verses of this chapter by immediate revelation, for he concludes it from such arguments as are general or common to all the godly. Therefore it roundly follows, first, that believers may in this life attain unto a well-grounded assurance of their everlasting Happiness and blessedness, so Hezekiah's assurance did spring from a principle that is common to all believers, to kings twenty verse three. Therefore, the purpose of scripture is to help believers obtain assurance. Secondly, it is the very scope and end of the scripture to help believers to a well-grounded assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness. These things saith John, have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, 1 John 5, verse 13. These precious souls did believe, and they had eternal life, in respect of the promise of eternal life, Titus 1, 2, and in respect of Christ their head, who had prepared their places beforehand in heaven, and who was as a public person doth represent all his people, <clears throat> Ephesians 2 6. And they had eternal life in respect of the beginnings of it. For what is grace but glory begun? And what is glory but grace perfected? Grace is glory in the bud, and glory is grace at the full. Now, though they had eternal life in all these respects, yet they did not know it. Though they did believe, yet they did not believe that they did believe. Therefore the Apostles in those previous epistles of his doth make it his business by variety and plenty of arguments to help all, but especially such as are weak in the faith, to a well-grounded assurance of their eternal welfare. It is the very drift and design of the whole Scripture to bring souls first to an acquaintance with Christ and then to an acceptance of Christ and then to build them up in a sweet assurance of their actual Interest in Christ, which made Luther to say that he would not live in paradise if he might without the word, but with the word he could live in hell itself. <clears throat> no histories are comparable to the histories of Scripture. For one, antiquity, two, rarity, three, variety, four, brevity, five, perspicuity, six, harmony, seven, <clears throat> verity. The word evidences truth, it evinces falsehood, it fights against folly, it opens the bowels of mercy, and it assures believing souls of eternal felicity. That is a precious word in Hebrews 6.18. God hath given us his word, his oath, his seal, that our consolation may be strong, and that our salvation may be sure. Now what comfort can a believer have without assurance? It is the assurance of my interest in the land of Canaan, <clears throat> in gospel cordials, in precious promises, and in a precious Christ, that comforts and delights my soul. It is not enough to raise strong <clears throat> consolation in my soul, fairly to know that there are mines of gold, mountains of pearl, heaps of treasures, a land flowing with milk and honey, But it is the knowledge of my interest in these that raises joy in my soul. To know that there are such things, and that I have no interest in them, is rather a vexation than a consolation to me. To know that there is a feast of choicest delicacies, but not a taste for me. That there are pleasant fountains and streams, but I must perish for thirst in a wilderness. To know that there are royal robes for others, but I must die in my rags. To know that there is a pardon for others, but I must be turned off the ladder of life. To know that there is preferment for others, but I must still lie with Lazarus at Dive's door. Such knowledge as this may well add to my vexation, but it will not add to my consolation. It was rather matter of sorrow than joy to the men of the old world to know that there was an ark when they were shut out. And to the Israelites to know that there was a brazen serpent set up, whereby others were cured when they died with the stinging of the fiery serpents. So how can it comfort me to know that there is peace in Christ and pardon in Christ and righteousness in Christ and riches in Christ and happiness in Christ for others but none for me? Ah, this knowledge will rather be a hell to torment me than a ground of joy and comfort to me. But now God hath, in the Scripture, revealed who they are that shall be eternally happy, and how they may reach to an assurance of their felicity and glory, which made one, Luther, to say that he would not take all the world for one leaf of the Bible. The Bible is a Christian's Magna Carta, his chief evidence for heaven. Men highly prize and carefully keep their charters, privileges, conveyances, and title deeds of their lands, and shall not the saints much more highly prize and carefully keep in the closet of their hearts the precious Word of God, which is to them, instead of all assurances for their maintenance, deliverance, protection, confirmation, consolation and eternal salvation. Many believers have obtained assurance. Thirdly, other believers have, in an ordinary way, attained to a sweet assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness, we know, saith the apostle in the name of the saints, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, an house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and 2. Their assurance sets them in triumph upon the throne. We have a house, a house above, a house in heaven a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have a house, a heavenly house, a house made by the greatest wisdom and the highest love, a house that for honour, pleasures, riches, safety, stability, glory and perpetuity transcends all the royal palaces in the world. It is a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. So the church... Solomon's Song 2, verse 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. I know, says the spouse, that Jesus Christ is mine. I can with the greatest confidence and boldness affirm it. He is my head, my husband, my Lord, my Redeemer, my Justifier, my Saviour, and I am his. I am as sure that I am his as I am sure that I live. I am his by purchase, and I am his by conquest. I am his by donation, and I am his by election. I am his by covenant, and I am his by marriage. I am wholly his. I am peculiarly his. I am universally his. I am eternally his. This I well know, and the knowledge thereof is my joy in life, and my strength and crown in death. So the Church, Isaiah sixty-three sixteen. 16, Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father, and our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. David could say, The Lord is my portion for ever. Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. And at another time he could sweetly sing it out, I am thine, save me. Psalm 119, verse 94. Job could look through the darkest cloud and see that his Redeemer lives, Job nineteen twenty-five. Thomas cries out, My Lord and my God, John chapter 20, verse 28. And Paul trumpets it out that nothing should separate him from the love of Christ, Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, and that he had fought a good fight and finished his course, that there was laid up for him a crown of righteousness, to Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. By what hath been said, it clearly appears that other believers have obtained assurance in an ordinary way, and therefore believers now may attain <clears throat> to a sweet assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness. Certainly God is as loving as his compassions are as strong and his compassions are as strong towards believers now as ever they were to believers of old. And it makes as much for the honour of God, the lifting up of Christ, the stopping of the mouths of the wicked, and the rejoicing of the hearts of the righteous, for God to give assurance now, as it did for God to give it then. God has promised assurance to his people. Fourthly, God has, hath, by promise, engaged himself To assure his people of their happiness and blessedness. The Lord will give grace and glory. And no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 84 verse 11. If he will withhold no good thing, then certainly he will not always withhold assurance. Which is the great good thing, the only thing, the chiefest thing, the peculiar thing that believers seek after. So Ezekiel 34 verses 30 and 31. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and they, that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. So John fourteen twenty-one and 23. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. If any man love me, saith Christ, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. Now hath the Lord spoken it, and it shall not come to pass. Now hath the Lord spoken it, and it shall not come to pass. Men say and unsay, they eat their words as soon as they have spoken them, But will God do so? Surely no. He is faithful that hath promised. All the promises of God in him are yea, and in him are men. 2 Corinthians 1.20 That is, they are stable and firm, and shall really be made good. The promises are a precious book. Every leaf drops myrrh and mercy. Therefore sit down and suck at these breasts. Warm thyself at this fire... God hath been always as good as his word there he hath sometimes been better than his word he hath ever performed and he hath ever overperformed <clears throat> he promised the children of israel only the land of canaan but he gave them besides the whole land of canaan two other kingdoms which he never promised ah how often god hath gone before us with his blessings and given us such mercies as have been as far beyond our hopes as our deserts <clears throat> How hath God in these days of darkness and blood gone beyond the prayers, desires, hopes and confidences of his people in this land and beyond what we could read in the book of the promises? Satan promises the best but pays with the worst. He promises honour and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. Satan promises life and pays with death. But God pays as he promises. All his payments are made in pure gold. Therefore take these promises, wherein God hath engaged himself to assure thee of his love, and spread them before the Lord, and let him that it makes as well for his honour, and tell him that it makes as well for his honour as thy comfort, for his glory as for thy peace, and that he should assure thee of thy everlasting happiness and blessedness. The springs of assurance are in the saints. Fifthly, there is in all the saints the springs of assurance, and therefore they may attain to assurance. Precious faith is one spring of assurance, and this is in all the saints, though in different degrees, To Peter one one, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Faith in time will of its own accord raise and advance itself to assurance. Faith is an appropriating grace. It looks upon God and saith with David, This God is my God for ever and ever, and he shall be my guide unto the death. Psalm 48. It looks upon Christ and saith with the spouse, I am my beloved's and his desire is towards me. Solomon's Song, 7.10 It looks upon an immortal crown and saith with Paul, Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of glory. 2 Timothy 4, eight, It looks upon the righteousness of Christ and saith, This righteousness is mine to cover me. It looks upon the mercy of Christ and saith, This mercy is mine to pardon me. It looks upon the power of Christ and saith, this power is mine to support me. It looks upon the wisdom of Christ and saith, This wisdom is mine to direct me. It looks upon the blood of Christ and says, This blood is mine to save me. As faith, so hope is another spring of assurance. Colossians one twenty-seven. Christ in you, saith Paul, the hope of glory. So Hebrews 6.19 which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Hope taketh fast hold upon heaven itself, upon the sanctum sanctorum, the holy of holies. A Christian's hope is not like that of Pandora, which may fly out of the box and bid the soul farewell, as the hope of hypocrites do. No, it is like the morning light, and the least beam of it shall lead to a complete sunshine. It shall shine brighter and brighter till perfect day. When Alexander went upon a hopeful expedition, he gave away his gold. When he was asked what he kept for himself, he answered, Spem majorum et meliorum," the hope of greater and better things. So a Christian will part with anything rather than with his hope. He knows that hope will keep the heart both from aching and breaking, from fainting and sinking. He knows that hope is a beam of God, a spark of glory, and that nothing shall extinguish it till the soul be filled with glory. Souls that are big in hope will not be long without sweet assurance. God loves not to see the hoping soul go always up and down, sighing and mourning for want of a good word from heaven, for want of possessing what it hopes in time to enjoy. Hold out hope and patience a little longer and he that hath promised to come will come and will not tarry, Hebrews 10, verse 37. Again, a good conscience is another spring of assurance, 2 Corinthians 1, 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you would. So 1 John 3.21 Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. A good conscience hath sure confidence. He that hath it sits, no alike, in the midst of all commotions and distractions, in sincerity and serenity, uprightness and boldness, a good conscience and a good confidence go together, what the probationer disciples said to our saviour matthew eight nineteen Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest, that a good conscience says to the believing soul, I will follow thee from duty to duty, from ordinance to ordinance, I will stand by thee, I will strengthen thee, I will uphold thee, I will be a comfort to thee in life and a friend to thee in death though all should leave thee, yet I will never forsake thee, Matthew 26, verse 35. A good conscience will look through the blackest clouds and see a smiling God. Look, as an evil conscience is attended with the greatest fears and doubts, so a good conscience is attended with the greatest clearness and sweetness. And as there is no hell in this world to an evil conscience, so there is no heaven in this world to a good conscience." He that hath a good conscience hath one of the choicest springs of assurance, and it will not be long before God will whisper to such a man in the ear and say unto him, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Matthew 9 verse 2 Again, real love to the saints is another spring of assurance, and this spring is a never-failing spring. This spring is in the weakest as well as the strongest saints. 1 John 3 verse 14 We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. The apostle doth not say, we think, we hope, and so on, that we are translated from death to life, but we know that we are translated from death to life because we love the brethren. Love to the brethren is not the cause of our passing from death to life. That is, from a natural state to a spiritual state, from hell to heaven but an evidence thereof. I confess it is very sad to consider how this precious stream of love is even dried up in many. It was wont to be a proverb, homo homini deus, one man is a god to another, but now it may be truly said, homo homini daemon, one man is a devil to another. He that wants love to his brethren wants one of the sweetest springs from whence assurance flows greater hell I would not wish any man than to live and not to love the beloved of God now is it not as easy a thing as it is pleasant for a man that hath several sweet springs in his garden to sit down draw water and drink John 4 verse 14 oh believing souls there are springs there are wells of living water not only near you but in you why then do you with Hagar sit down sorrowing and weeping Genesis twenty one fifteen to 19 when you should be a-tasting or a-drinking not only of the springs above you, but also of the springs within you. A man that hath fruit in his garden may both delight his eye and refresh his spirit with tasting of it, Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. Certainly we may both eye and taste the fruits of the Spirit in us, they being the first fruits of eternal life. I think none but mad souls will say that grace is that forbidden fruit that God would have us neither see nor taste. We ought not so to mind a Christ in heaven as not to find Christ in us, the hope of glory. Colossians one twenty seven. Christ would not have his spouse so to mind her own blackness as to forget that she is all fair and glorious within. Solomon's Song one five four seven, And Psalm 45.11 The Spirit of God exhorts us to assurance. Sixthly, The Holy Ghost exhorts us to give all diligence to make our calling and election sure, 2 Peter 1, verse 10, and presses us to look to the obtaining of a full assurance. Therefore believers may attain unto an assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness. Wherefore the rather brethren, saith the Apostle, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things you shall never fall. The Greek word translated give diligence signifieth two things. One, all possible haste and speed. Two, all manner of seriousness and intention in doing. Make it your main business, your chief study, your greatest care to make your calling and election sure, saith the Apostle. When this is done, your all is done. Till this be done, there is nothing done and to show the necessity, utility, excellency and possibility of it, the Apostle puts a rather upon it. Wherefore the rather give all diligence to make your calling and election sure, as it is in the original form, firm or stable. It is the one thing necessary, it is of an internal and eternal importance to make firm and sure work for your souls. Assurance is a jewel of that worth, a pearl of that price, that he that will have it must work and sweat and weep and wait to obtain it. He must not only use diligence, but he must use all diligence, not only dig, but he must dig deep, before he can come to the golden mine. Assurance is that white stone, that new name, that hidden manna, that none can obtain but such as labour for it as for life. Assurance is such precious gold that a man must win it before he can wear it. win gold and wear gold <clears throat> is the language both of heaven and earth the riches honors languages and favors of this world cannot be obtained without much trouble and travel without rising early and going to bed late <clears throat> and do you think that assurance which is more worth than heaven and earth can be obtained by cold lazy heartless services if you do, you can do, you do but deceive your own souls. There are five things that God will never sell at a cheap rate. Christ, truth, his honour, heaven and assurance. He that will have these must pay a good price for them or go forever without them. And as Peter exhorts you to give all diligence to make your calling and election sure, so Paul presseth you to look to the obtaining of full assurance, which does clearly evidence that there is a possibility of attaining unto a full assurance of our happiness and blessedness in this life. And we desire, saith the Apostle, that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews 6 verses 11 and 12 We must not only strive after assurance – But we must strive and show all diligence to the attaining of that rich and full assurance which will scatter all fears and doubts, which will make a soul patient in waiting, courageous in doing, and cheerful in suffering, and which will make a heaven in a man's heart, on this side heaven, and make him go singing into paradise, in despite of all calamities and miseries. And certainly it can never stand with the holiness, righteousness, faithfulness, and goodness of God to put his people upon making their calling and election sure, and upon obtaining full assurance, if there were not a possibility of obtaining a full and well-grounded assurance of their happiness and blessedness in this life, and therefore it doth undeniably follow that they may attain unto a blessed assurance of their felicity and glory whilst they are in this vale of misery. The contrary opinion will make a man's life a hell here, though he should escape a hell hereafter means to be used to obtain assurance. Seventhly, the Lord hath in much mercy and love propounded in his word the ways and means whereby believers may obtain a well-grounded assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness, and therefore it may be obtained. Take three scriptures to evidence this. The first is in 2 Peter 1.13. If you turn to the words, you shall find that the Lord does not only press them to give all diligence to make their calling and election sure, but he shows them plainly by the way and means whereby this may be done, namely by adding to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge, and so on. The second scripture is that 1 Corinthians 11:28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. By examination the soul comes to see what right it hath to Christ, and all the precious things of his house, and believingly to eat so of that bread of life that heavenly manna, as that it may live for ever. the third scripture is that 2 Corinthians 13:5. examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith prove yourselves know ye not your own selves how that Christ is in you except ye be reprobates or unapproved or rejected by a serious examination of a man's own estate he may know whether he have faith or not whether he be Christ's spouse or the devil's trumpet whether there be a work of grace upon his heart or not And certainly it cannot stand with the glorious wisdom, unspotted righteousness, and transcendent holiness of God to put men upon the use of such and such means in order to the obtaining of such and such an end, if that end could not be obtained by the use of the means prescribed Exodus 15.11. Man that hath put A spark of that wisdom, righteousness and holiness that is in God will not put any upon the use of such or such means for the obtaining of health, wealth or the like unless there be a proper tendency in the use of those means prescribed to reach such ends. And will God, who is wisdom, righteousness and holiness in the abstract, surely know God is one infinite perfection in himself which is eminently and virtually all perfections of the creature's Therefore it is impossible that God should act below the creature which he would do if he should put the creature upon the use of those means that would not reach the ends for which the means were used. Thus you see clearly by this seventh argument that believers may in this life attain to a well-grounded assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness. The Lord's Supper is related to assurance. Eighthly, It was the principal end of Christ's institution of the sacrament of the supper that he might assure them of his love and that he might seal up to them for forgiveness of their sins, the acceptation of their persons and the salvation of their souls. Matthew 26 verses 27 and 28. The nature of a seal is to make things sure and firm among men. So the supper of the Lord is Christ's broad seal. It is Christ's privy seal whereby he seals and assures his people that they are happy here, that they shall be more happy hereafter, that they are everlastingly beloved of God, that his heart is set upon them, that their names are written in the book of life, that there is laid up for them a crown of righteousness, and that nothing shall be able to separate them from him, who is their light, their life, their crown, their all in all. In this sacrament, Christ comes forth and shows his love, his heart, his bowels, his blood, that his children may no longer say, Doth the Lord Jesus love us? Doth he delight in us? And so on, but that they may say with the spouse, I am my beloved's, and his desire is towards me. Solomon's Song, chapter 7, verse 10. Many precious Christians there are that have lain long under fears and doubts, sighing and mourning, that have run from minister to minister, and from one duty to another, and yet could never be persuaded of the love of Christ to their poor souls. But still their fears and doubts have followed them, till they have waited upon the Lord in this glorious ordinance, by which the Lord hath assured them of the remission of their sins, and the salvation of their souls. In this ordinance God hath given them manna to eat, and a white stone, and a new name, which no man knoweth but he that receiveth it. Revelation 2.17 Tell me, ye precious believing souls, whether you have not found God in this ordinance, often whispering to you in the ear, saying, Sons and daughters, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Matthew 9, verse 2. I know you have. The relation of assurance to rejoicing in the Lord. Ninthly, those scriptures that do expressly require saints to be abundant and constant in rejoicing and in praising of God to have always harps in their hands and hallelujahs in their mouths do clearly evidence that believers may attain to a well-grounded assurance in this life. How can they rejoice and glory in God that do not know whether he will be an everlasting friend or an everlasting enemy to them, whether he will always breathe out love or wrath upon them? How can they but hang their harps on the willows that do not know but that they may live in a strange land? Psalm 137 verse 2 Yea, in a land of darkness all their days, how can they be cheerful or thankful that do not know, but that they may at last hear that heart-breaking, that conscience-wounding, that soul-slaying word, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25:41). Now there is no duty in the whole book of God that is more frequently and abundantly pressed upon believers than this of joy and rejoicing, of praise and thanksgiving, as all know, that know anything of the Scripture, one Thessalonians five sixteen, rejoice evermore. God would not have His children always a putting finger in the eye. Ah Christians, remember what Christ hath done for you, and what He is still a doing for you in heaven, and what He will do for you to all eternity. And spend your days in whining and mourning if you can. Psalm thirty two verse eleven. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Psalm 33, verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Christians, are not your mercies greater than your miseries? Yes. Are your greatest sufferings comparable to the least spark of grace or beam of glory revealed in you or to you? No. No. Will not one hour's being in the bosom of Christ recompense you for all your trouble and travail? Yes. Why then do you spend more time in sighing than in rejoicing? And why do you by your not rejoicing sadden those precious hearts that God would not have saddened and gladden those graceless hearts that God would not have gladdened? Beautiful, A beautiful face is at all times pleasing to the eye, but then especially when there is joy manifested in the countenance. Joy in the face puts a new beauty and makes that which before was beautiful to be exceeding beautiful. It puts a luster and glory upon beauty. So does joy in the face, heart and life of a Christian cast a general splendour and glory upon him, and the ways of God wherein he walks. The joy of the Lord is not only the strength, but also the beauty and glory of Christians. Nehemiah 8.10 Joy and rejoicing is a consequent and consequent and effective assurance as many believers by experience find. Therefore, without all peradventure, believers may attain unto a well-grounded assurance of their everlasting happiness, else it is impossible that they should rejoice evermore. So that by this argument, as by the former, it clearly appears that believers may in this life be assured of their eternal well-being. The Clarity of Scripture on the Differences Between the Righteous and the Wicked Tenthly, the tenth and last argument to prove that believers may in this life attain to a well-grounded assurance is this, that God would never have made such a broad difference in the Scripture between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, between the righteous and the wicked, between saints and sinners, between sons and slaves, sheep and goats, between lions and lambs, between wheat and chaff, light and darkness, etc., if it were impossible for men to know which of these two estates they are in. Therefore, they may know whether they are in a state of life or in a state of death, in a state of misery or in a state of felicity, or in a state of wrath or in a state of love, Matthew 13.1. Oh, it is much below the grace of God. It is repugnant to the wisdom of God to make such a wide difference between his own children and Satan's, John 8.44. If it were not possible for every child to know his own father, Thou art my father, Psalm eighty-nine, verse twenty-six. Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us, acknowledge us not. Thou o Lord art our father and redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. Isaiah sixty-three, verse sixteen. The weakest saint can say, "Abba, Father." Romans eight, fifteen. The Lord will not leave his child comfortless, or as orphans, and fatherless children, as it is in the Greek. Though the salvation of believers does not depend upon their knowledge of God to be their father, yet their consolation does. Therefore the Lord will not be only a father to Israel, but he will make Israel know that he is his father. Jeremiah 3 verse 4 Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, my father? Thou art the guide of my youth. By these ten arguments it doth evidently appear that believers may in this life attain a well-grounded assurance of the everlasting happiness and blessedness I shall apply this a little, and then close up this chapter. Assurance is not for Arminians. Use. This precious truth, thus proved, looks sourly and wishfully upon all those that affirm that believers cannot in this life attain unto a certain well-grounded assurance of their everlasting happiness and blessedness, as Papists and Arminians all know that know their writings and teachings that they are in arms against this Christ-exalting and soul cheering doctrine of assurance. I know no such thing as assurance of heaven in this life, said Grevin the Arminian. Assurance is a pearl <coughs> that they trample under feet. It is a beam of heaven that hath no such so, so much light, brightness and shining glory in it that their blear eyes cannot behold it. Assurance is glory in the bud. It is the suburbs of paradise. It is a cluster of the land of promise. It is a spark of God. It is the joy and crown of a Christian. The greater is their impiety and folly that deny assurance, that cry down assurance under any names or notions whatsoever. They are rather tormentors than comforters that say, poor souls may know that there is a crown of righteousness, but they must not presume to know that they shall have the honour to wear that crown, and that make God like King Xerxes, who crowned his steersman in the morning and beheaded him in the evening of the same day. Arminians are not ashamed to say that God may crown a man one hour and uncrown him in the next. They blush not to say that a man may be happy and miserable under love and under wrath, an heir of heaven and a firebrand of hell, a child of light and a child of darkness, and all in an hour. Oh, what miserable comforters are these! What is this but to torment the weary soul, to dispirit the wounded spirit, and to make them most sad, whom God would have most glad? Ah, how sad is it for men to affirm that wounded spirits may know that the Son of Righteousness hath healing in his wings. Malachi 4 verse 2 But they cannot be assured that they shall be healed. The hungry soul may know that there is bread enough in his father's house, but cannot know that he shall taste of that bread. Luke 15.17 The naked soul may know that Christ hath robes of righteousness to cover all spots, sores, defects and deformities of it, but may not presume to know that Christ will put these royal robes upon it. Revelation 3.18 The impoverished soul may know that there be unsearchable <clears throat> riches in Christ, but cannot be assured that ever it shall partake of those riches. Ephesians three verse eight all that these men allow poor souls is guesses and conjectures that it may be well with them they will not allow souls to say with thomas my lord and my god john 20 verse 18 nor with job to say my redeemer lives job 19:25 nor with the church i am my beloved's and his desire is towards me song of solomon 7 verse 10 and so they leave souls in a cloudy questioning doubting hovering condition hanging like mohammed's tomb at mecca between two lodestones, or like Erasmus, as the Papists paint him, hanging betwixt heaven and hell. They make the poor soul a mago misabib, Jeremiah 23, a terror to itself. What more uncomfortable doctrine than this? What more soul-disquieting and soul-unsettling doctrine than this? Thou art this moment in a state of life, thou mayest the next moment be in a state of death. Thou art now gracious, thou mayst the next hour be graceless. Thou art now in the promised land, yet thou mayest die in the wilderness. Thou art today a habitation for God, thou mayest tomorrow be a synagogue of Satan. Thou hast today received the white stone of absolution, thou mayest tomorrow receive the black stone of condemnation. Thou art now in thy Saviour's arms, thou mayest tomorrow be in Satan's paws. Thou art now Christ's free man, thou mayest tomorrow be Satan's bondman. Thou art now a vessel of honour, thou mayest suddenly become a vessel of wrath. Thou art now greatly beloved, thou mayst soon be as greatly loathed. This day thy name is fairly written in the book of life. Tomorrow the book may be crossed, and thy name blotted out for ever. This is the Arminians' doctrine, and if this be not to keep souls in a doubting, trembling and shivering condition, what is it? Well, Christians, remember that this is your happiness and blessedness, that none can pluck you out of your father's hand John 10, verse 29, that you are kept as in a garrison or as with a guard by the power of God through faith unto salvation. 1 Peter one five, That the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but the kindness of the Lord shall not depart from you, neither shall the covenant of peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on you. Isaiah 54, verse 10 That Christ ever lives to make intercession for you, Hebrews 7 verse 25 And that men and devils are as able and shall as soon make a world dethrone God, pluck the Son out of the firmament, and Christ out of the bosom of the Father, as they shall pluck a believer out of the everlasting arms of Christ, or rob him of one of his precious jewels. Deuteronomy 33 verses 26 and 27 I shall close up this chapter with an excellent saying of Luther. The whole scripture, saith he, doth principally aim at this thing, that we should not doubt, but that we should hope, that we should trust, that we should believe that God is a merciful, a bountiful, a gracious and a patient God to his people.